Do you ever um, wonder about your personality? <laughs> I wonder a lot of things about my personality. Do you ever wish there was a test that could like tell you about it and <laughs> like, give you some you insight? Wonder- do you wonder things about my personality? I just think it's fantastic. I don't wonder too much. Yeah, I want to get to know more, that's for sure. All right. Well, I think we should talk about it today. Okay, let's do it. Hi, and welcome to The Improvement Project, a podcast about being a better human through good habits, challenging yourself, learning from a wide range of experts, and celebrating all of the little wins along the way. I'm Dr. Peggy Malone, a healthcare provider and human being, trying my best to be better and encouraging others to do the same. I'm in London, Ontario, Canada, and with me is my disciplined accountability partner, Jenny. That's me, Jenny Kaus, a marketing professional from St. Thomas, Ontario. I'm a small town gal and a big believer in the power of habits. We know from research and from our year of monthly habit challenges, how our daily choices impact and ultimately create our lives. So we're getting intentional about our habits and we hope to inspire you to become more disciplined, more consistent, happier, healthier, more productive, and overall your own best self. Uh, We've been a little bit obsessed with this of late. And on today's episode, Jenny and I are going to dive into the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't heard this word, uh, it is a very old personality typing framework that can give you some interesting insights into yourself and others in your life. In Umi Likey, I'm into a book by a podcaster that Jenny and I both enjoy, and Jenny's loving a teenager-centered TV show that is very bingeable. Jenny's win is related to her table finishing project progress, and my learn is about how everything happens at once. But first, we're going to talk about something you may have heard of before, maybe not, but it's certainly been in the zeitgeist lately, and it's called the Enneagram. The history of the Enneagram personality framework is not entirely clear, but it is by all accounts nothing new. And it translates from the Greek words ennea, meaning nine, and gramma, meaning something written or drawn. It's a typology of nine interconnected personality types, which are represented by the points of a geometric figure called the enneagram, which indicate connections between the different types. So there's many different theories and practitioners of the enneagram. So the information out there can really vary, but the basics behind it are pretty awesome and very insightful. So at best, the Enneagram can aid in self-awareness, self-understanding, and self-development. So we have been listening to some podcasts lately where this has come up. And then Jenny and I, of course, have been chatting about it. And then we decided to figure out a little bit more about the Enneagram for ourselves and got a bit obsessed with it. So now we want to share it with you. So we're going to start Mm -hmm. with doing an overview of the types. So as we mentioned, there are nine personality types in the Enneagram. They are Mm -hmm. called different things in different sources. If you look on the interwebs, but um, they all have the same basic meanings. So type one is known as the perfectionist, the rational idealistic type principled, purposeful, self-controlled and perfectionistic. Number two is the helper, the caring, interpersonal type, demonstrative, generous, people-pleasing, and possessive. So number three is the achiever, the success-oriented, pragmatic type, adaptive, excelling, driven, and image-conscious. 
Number four is the individualist, the sensitive, withdrawn type, expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, and temperamental. Number five is the investigator, the intense cerebral type, perceptive, innovative, secretive, and isolated. Number six is the loyalist, the committed, security-oriented type, engaging, responsible, anxious, and suspicious. And I should say, too, we get this from the Enneagram Institute, which I'm sure we will we'll be linking up to that. But in case you're wondering where this list comes from, they're all pretty similar, but that's where this list is from. Um, number seven is the enthusiast, the busy, fun-loving type, spontaneous, versatile, distractible, and scattered. Number eight, the challenger, the powerful, dominating type, self-confident, decisive, willful, and confrontational. And number nine, the peacemaker, the easygoing, self-effacing type, receptive, reassuring, agreeable, and complacent. So as we said, there are nine basic types, but it also gets much more complicated. Once what you know what your type is, then you can also look into your subtypes and your wings, which doesn't mean anything if, you've just lear- if you're just learning about this, but as you learn about it, you'll know what wings means. So the purposes of this conversation, for the purposes of this conversation today, we're just going to look at the basic types, but we welcome you to take a deeper dive if this is something that's of interest to you, and we will link in the show notes to where you can do that. So the Enneagram is really awesome for gaining a deeper understanding of yourself, but it can be really cool for examining your relationships with other people as well, if you know both of your types. I think it's really, really interesting. It's so fun. It's It's cool. Yeah. And I think anything that helps you uh, gain self-awareness, why not? I, I think, think so. That's great. Because a lot of times people might hear about this and think to themselves, oh, it's like you're taking a quiz in the back of a Cosmo magazine and that's like yeah. hokey and why would you do that? But there's a lot of therapists that actually will use this to help people to gain insight into who they are and why they're like that and, and how they can interact with other people. So there's something to be said for, as you say, gaining some self-awareness from doing something like this Enneagram. Yeah, I think it's definitely worth looking into. Um And so what we did is we both took some quizzes um, and we read about the types and we're pretty sure we've nailed ours down. Um, And we're going to read through some excerpts that I think ring true for both of us. And this is from the Enneagram Institute website. So what we've done is we've taken a look at it and we've gone through and kind of highlighted the things that resonated with us. Uh, But we'll link up to this information in the show notes if you're interested in checking out more of it. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go through Peg's type first and we'll reveal what her type is. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and then we will go through mine and we'll tell you all of the things that we're proud to report and the things that are opportunities for growth, we'll say. Yes, I think that's true. Yeah. So all right. you are. So my type is I'm a number seven. So the number seven is the enthusiast, the busy variety seeking type, spontaneous, versatile, acquisitive and scattered. That's a new word, acquisitive. Yeah, I don't know that word. Um, So this is what it says about sevens. And some of this resonates with me and some may not. But um, definitely when I take the test, this is what it comes up as. And it resonates enough that I think this is my type. 
So sevens are extroverted, optimistic, versatile, and spontaneous, playful, high-spirited, and practical. They can also misapply their many talents, becoming overextended, scattered, and undisciplined. They constantly (laughs) seek new and exciting experiences, but can become distracted and exhausted by staying on the go. They typically have problems with impatience and impulsiveness. At their best, they focus their talents on worthwhile goals, becoming appreciative, joyous, and satisfied. Their key motivations... Uh, are wanting to maintain their freedom and happiness. They want to avoid missing out on worthwhile experiences. They want to keep themselves excited and occupied, and they want to avoid and discharge pain. So another overview says um, that they've named this personality type the enthusiast because sevens are enthusiastic about almost everything that catches their attention. They approach life with curiosity, optimism, and a sense of adventure. They're like kids in a candy store who look at the world in a wide-eyed, wrapped anticipation of all the good things that they are about to experience. Sevens are exhilarated by the rush of ideas and by the pleasure of being spontaneous, preferring broad overviews and the excitement of the initial stages of the creative process to probing a single topic in depth. Uh, Sevens are frequently endowed with quick, agile minds and can be exceptionally fast learners. This is true of both their ability to absorb information, language, facts, and procedures, and their ability to learn new manual skills. They tend to have excellent mind-body coordination and manual dexterity, such as typewriting, piano playing, tennis. All of this can combine to make a seven into the quintessential, quote, renaissance person. (laughs) If you say so yourself. (laughs) If I do say so myself. All right. Ironically, Seven's wide-ranging curiosity and ability to learn quickly can also create problems for them. Because they are able to pick up many different skills with relative ease, it becomes more difficult for them to decide what to do with themselves. As a result, they also do not always value their abilities as they would if they had to struggle to gain them. When Sevens are more balanced, however, their versatility, curiosity, and ability to learn can lead them to extraordinary achievement. So for me, often in my life, I have been known as sort of the, the Peggy of all trades and master of none. So this is kind of an interesting uh, insight for sure in terms of, of how they're saying sevens like to roll. Interesting. Uh, on the positive side, sevens are optimistic people, exuberant and upbeat. They're endowed with abundant vitality and a desire to fully participate in their lives each day. They are naturally cheerful and good humored, not taking themselves too seriously or anything else for that matter. As we have seen, the basic desire of the sevens is to be satisfied, happy, and fulfilled. And when they are balanced within themselves, their joy and enthusiasm for life naturally affects everyone around them. They remind us of the pure pleasure of existence, the greatest gift of all. Okay. So I think that sounds pretty darn good. And I would say a lot of that. Absolutely. The really funny thing that caught my eye about this um, was the first thing you said. Sevens are extroverted. Right. And I, well, and this is, well, this is part of the reason why I, when I first read the descriptions, I didn't necessarily think I was a seven because a lot of that stuff, if people met me, they might go, oh yeah, that might play. But maybe they're using the word extrovert in the way that the, the world thinks about it. Like uh, outgoing personality is different than extrovert versus introvert in my mind. For me, Absolutely. extrovert versus introvert means how you get your energy. I need to be yes. by myself and get a lot of alone time to get my energy, even though yeah. I can be very outgoing and very um, ebullient, let's say, in public. <laughs> Love it. So, Love it. so yeah, that was one of the things that was a conflict for me too when I was reading it, because I'm certainly not an extrovert in the way that we define it. Sure. 
and yeah, and I think the stereotypical way that we kind of think about that in society, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, that's pretty cool. And I thought about, you know, the way, you know, you've talked about uh, wanting to do your snowboarding trip and the there was one part that kind of talked about that, like the way that you kind of want to like plan your life. And I don't know. I thought that that was, I thought that was pretty bang on a lot of it. I think so. Yeah. So, um, and it's definitely bang on when you talks about, I take on too much and I'm a bit scattered and I'm can, I tend to be undisciplined. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason why we're doing this is so that I can tame those qualities in myself because I had to attract myself to somebody who has, a different personality type. So yeah, on that lovely segue, maybe we should move in into what your type is, Jenny. Okay, that sounds good. Um, so mine um, is a one, which I was like, I was just very excited. So I'm like, yes, start with number one. <laughs> Bam. I love because I'm an Aries as well, which is the a lot of people will refer to it as like the head of the Zodiac. So I'm always like, yeah, start it <laughs> off. Awesome. Start off. I'll go first, people. So, you know, my excitement wore off when I started to read more about it. Um, so they they refer to this one. What was it called? The key name for it. It was the, the perfectionist. But they refer to it on the Enneagram Institute as the reformer. Oh, so it just depends on where you're getting it for what it's yes. called. But they, but then they go on to describe it as that. So they say, so it's the reformer, but it's the rational, idealistic type, principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and perfectionistic. So when I first read this, I am so resistant to the word perfectionist. Sure. Because, yeah, no, it cuts a little close to home. I don't want to be like that. But if I'm being self-aware... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I am. So it says ones are conscientious and ethical with a strong sense of right and wrong. They are teachers, crusaders, and advocates for change, always striving to improve things, but afraid of making a mistake. Well-organized, orderly, and fastidious, they try to maintain high standards, but can slip into being critical and perfectionistic. They typically have problems with resentment and impatience. Yep. Um, at their best, wise, discerning, realistic, and noble can be morally heroic. Um, so the key motivations is they want to be right, strive higher, and improve everything, which made me laugh, given the improvement project. Yeah, I love it. Uh, um, to be consistent with their ideals, justify themselves, to be beyond criticism, as to not be condemned by anyone. That was one that I was like, ooh, yikes. Um, so yeah, they, I kind of like, I'm reading through here what can be kind of interesting. Um, so it says that they can want to improve the world in various ways using whatever degree of influence they have. So I thought that was interesting too, this whole talk about improvement. Um, they strive after higher values, even at the cost of great personal sacrifice. Um, They are people of practical action. They want to be useful in the best sense of the word. On some level of consciousness, they feel that they have a mission to fulfill in life, if only to try their best to reduce the disorder in their environment. Yes. I underline that. I was like, whoa, that's true. Um, 
in an effort, okay, so this is interesting. In the effort to stay true to their principles, once resist being affected by their instinctual drives, consciously not giving in to them or expressing them too freely. The result is a personality type that has problems with repression, resistance, and aggression. They're usually seen by others as highly self-controlled, even rigid, although this is not how ones experience themselves. So that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very strict with themselves. Yeah, I would identify with that. Um, they create their own brand of perfection <laughs> that results in them creating their own personal hell. Oh, no. <laughs> that makes me laugh. But, I mean, overall, it definitely rang true. And I will say that even though I really resisted that, um, the label of the perfectionist, because a lot of people will say that about themselves as a compliment to themselves. Sure. I do not see perfectionism as something desirable. I see it as a burden um, and something I don't want to embody. But reading this actually gave me some empathy for myself because when you read about it in a kind of and you realize that this is a personality type this is one of nine there's others out there (laughs) and there's there's really two sides to it um so it actually gave me a little bit of compassion for myself and made me embrace it a little bit more well, that's pretty cool, especially when we started this conversation by talking about self-awareness. That's pretty awesome yeah. that that's what you took out of it. Yeah, I thought it, it made me see myself a little gentler, I'll say. Okay, So good. I think this is interesting because so we both kind of read about our personality types. And then the really cool thing is you can then go on these websites. So we've been reading you descriptions from the Enneagram Institute website And then what they have is they have a spot on their site that you can look at your type and then how you interact with another type. This is super cool to do with a spouse, a friend, even a parent. And it's, this is, I think, what I found the most insightful. Definitely. Looking these up. So I looked mine up with Jeff, but we looked this up for our, so for number one and number seven interacting with each other. And this is kind of cool. All right, so here's what the Enneagram Institute website has to say about ones and seven interacting with each other. Enneagram ones and sevens have a particular complementary and reciprocal relationship. Ones bring conscientiousness, orderliness, good work habits, methodical attention to detail, and a pleasure in maintaining excellence and high standards. Sevens bring spontaneity, high energy, curiosity, and orientation toward fun and adventure, the desire to try new things, and an ability to not get too hung up with getting everything done perfectly. Hmm. Ones are more methodical and help sevens stay on track. Thank you, Jenny. They resist getting distracted by too many options and excel at following through with their plans. Sevens offer ones a sense of excitement and life as a source of pleasure and enjoyment. Ones offer sevens a sense of purpose and idealism, as well as direction and the feeling that life is noble and meaningful. Sevens keep one's spirits up, refreshing their idealism while preventing the relationship from becoming too heavy. Ones help steady sevens, keeping them working systematically and consistently toward goals. Yeah! (laughs) Uh, This tends to be a stimulating relationship for both. They stretch each other and are fascinated and challenged by their differences. Do you not, does this not blow your mind? It's like totally, like it's so bang on. It's awesome. 
Okay. And I, I realize a lot of this can be very general and we might sound like a couple of basic <laughs> girls getting all worked up about this Enneagram business. However, for Peg and I reading this, this is pretty spot on. It's cool. And especially if you're listening to this and you're sort of seeing what we're getting out of it, then go to the show notes, take the test for yourself, get your friend or your spouse or her or coworker to take it and then just see what it says for the two of you because there's some cool uh, insights to be had for sure. Yeah. So all of that's great news about all the amazing ways that we can help um, work with each other. But there is also a part of this that they refer to as the potential trouble spots or issues. So let's let's have a read through this and see how awkward it gets. <laughs> <laughs> All right, do it. All right. So I, I pulled out, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, but I will read this. I hadn't planned on reading this. but the <laughs> So as stress increases, ones become increasingly critical, judgmental, inflexible, and insistent that things be done one way, the right way, their way. <laughs> Jeff loves reading that kind of stuff about me. And he's like, mm-hmm. so anyway, ones feel that sevens are scattered and tend to fool around too much, overextending resources and overbooking themselves and promising too much to too many people. Do you think that I feel that way about you? Uh, I don't think so. No, no, maybe <laughs> so seven. Not that you've so told seven. me, not that you've told me <laughs> on the other hand, Sevens tend to see lower functioning ones as too prissy and perfectionistic and ultimately as someone who needs to be kicked in the pants to loosen them up a bit. Um, Can I just clarify what you just said there? It might sound like seven C ones as lower functioning, but what they meant by that is that (laughs) there's some ones that are lower functioning and some ones that are higher functioning. And that's what they're talking about. Ones that are, that tend to have lower functioning. So it's not that they're lower than sevens. Sure. But do you think I need a a pants, a kick in the pants to loosen up every once in a while? Uh, Not really. No. I feel like your sense of humor balances well with your oneness to like give yourself your own kick in the pants. Ah, it's this thing I do where I walk and I simultaneously kick myself in the pants. That's what I'm talking about right there. Yeah, it's a really jazzy walk. You've <laughs> got to try it. Out. It's a good look. It's a good look. But I thought that was really interesting. Um, you know what I think is the coolest about this? And we've talked about this a ton in this year is that my word for the year was intentional. Your word for the year was recreation. And it's like we're looking for the thing that the other person has got. Yeah. It's, we've got a grass is greener situation. We're like, hey, it looks kind of fun over there. What you doing? <laughs> Organizing my spice drawer. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, you have a party barn in your backyard? <laughs> Tell oh, me more about that. Exactly. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy, oh, boy. But that's interesting. And I think that that's something cool for us. And I think as we work on this, like to me, that provided something interesting that you could see as like, okay, what could be a potential thing that we could work on? Or Or you can see where you might have a slippery slope into a challenge and then you could just do your best to make sure that those things are talked about and shored up so that you're less likely to run into that problem. Yeah. The one when I was looking at um, Jeff's and mine. What number is Jeff? Six. Okay. Oh, and that's like someone looking for stability and... Yes. Yeah. Okay. Boy, oh boy. It was so spot on. Was it? 
Yeah. And a lot of it was, but what a jerk I am. Oh, no. Yeah. It was, uh, it was harsh. Oh, but dear. entertaining. But also one of those things where I think it gives you some grace for yourself because you're able to kind of realize that a lot of it is, goes along with a personality type. Sure. And then it's maybe it's not that just that you're a jerk. It's that one in nine people are a jerk. <laughs> yeah, but that makes my head spin when you say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is really, really interesting. But, you know. I think it's it's fun. Check it out. Get someone in your life to check it out with you and see how your types interact together. It's pretty cool. Cool. I have not John has not taken the test, but I would guess based on what I know of him that he might be a 7 as well. Yeah, I can see that. So, I'm going to get him to take the test and see, and then I'm also going to look and see like when 7s get on the loose together, like who keeps them under control? Like this is why I got to yeah. I got to employ Jenny in my world as my accountability partner. This is why you have a party barn. I guess. I and guess. you know what? My friend, Simon, yep. she was a seven as well, which I thought was so interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Was, yeah. Did our friend Amanda ever let us know what she was? No, she was um, working on it. Amanda, get on it. Get after it, Amanda. We need to know. We need to know. All right. So if you want to find out your type, we will provide some links in the show notes so that you can take the test and see which number one to nine you are of the Enneagram type. It's definitely worth the time to figure it out. Some people can find out their type just by reading the descriptions and you'll sort of get a sense of what resonates with you. But some people tend to take these quizzes and that are online and there's a bunch of different options. Um, I've heard it said that whichever description makes you cringe the most, that's probably your type. Uh, yes. And we both took a couple of different quizzes, uh, but we also did some reading to help us figure out which description resonated with us the most. So on this same website, um, the Enneagram Institute, they also talk about mistyping yourself. So sometimes mm-hmm. people will think they're a four and they are actually a, I don't know what it is, but like they'll, they'll, they'll say that you've been mistyped. So it's good worth, it's worthwhile, especially if you're not sure what your type is, is to read through that part of the website. Because it'll give you a sense of, oh, I thought I might have been a seven, but maybe I'm a whatever. So the other thing, too, is a lot of people, there's a lot of Enneagram snobs out there that say that you can't take the quizzes. You just have to read about the types and figure it out that way. There's a whole range of Enneagram philosophies. So some people believe more in the reading to type yourself. Some people like the test. But I think the test is a fun way to do it. I think so too, especially because it just, it, it sort of, especially if you're answering honestly and you're not overthinking it, it probably is going to lead yeah. you in the right direction. Absolutely. For sure. Um, and then, so the other thing was, I, I came across something interesting because there is this weird thing that when something's on your mind, it's sort of showing up everywhere, right? Definitely. Yeah. It's just weird. Um, so I was listening to Pete Holmes podcast, um, which is called you made it weird. That's the name of his podcast. And he's a comedian. Um, we both enjoy him and the, it was an interview with a musician, Ryan O'Neill. So Ryan has a music project called sleeping at last. Um, and like it's fairly well known recording artist. Had you heard of, I hadn't, I didn't know about him before you sent me this. I think he had music in one of the Twilight movies. He has recorded, he was on this podcast and they were, they got talking about the Enneagram 
And and I'm I'm listening to this because he's a comedian I like, and they get they go off on this huge tangent talking about the Enneagram. Well, it turns out Ryan O'Neill has recorded a song for each of the types, each of the nine types. He has a different song, and he did a ton of research. Really, when you when you hear about it, it's fascinating. I will include a link in the show notes to that podcast, um, and you should listen to it. You can listen but, to it on Spotify. Yes. And um, so I listened to my song for the one. Yeah. And I've listened to it several times now. And every single time I get chills. Oh, cool. That's what Pete Holmes and said about his song, too. That's cool. He did. And he, he said, basically, like, you could just listen to them all. And then whichever song leaves you suddenly in your car sobbing, <laughs> that's probably your personality type. <laughs> awesome. But it was really, really cool. And I recommend that you check it out. Um, I really like mine. You should check out the, the one for the number one. It's it's a really, really good song. But obviously, I'm biased because that's the one for my personality type. So, but anyway, check it okay. out. Did you listen to the number seven song? I listened to a little bit and then I meant to come back to it. So I will re-listen to it so that I can ah. check it out. Um, the other thing I should All mention right. too about another podcast is I went through... Um, a phase this year where I was really into listening to Chelsea Handler on the regular. And yes. she um, had a really great podcast episode where she was talking with her therapist and her therapist uses the Enneagram a ton in his therapy. And it helped her a lot to gain some self-awareness and to learn some empathy. Um, and so that's a really great episode that I'll also link to in the show notes because they do a really great mm-hmm. job of breaking down each of the types in a way that's um, just gives you a little bit of a, an intro to them, I guess. And then it also is cool to hear Chelsea Handler going through how learning what her type was, was helpful for her as she went out into the world as a better person. Cool. I have listened to a bunch of her podcasts and she's, I mean, I, I just enjoy Chelsea Handler and it's been really cool to watch her evolve over the last couple of years. Yeah. She's been doing a lot of work. Yeah, she really, really has. And it's, uh, it's cool for someone to be so honest about um, their growth and change. Sure. So anyway, I think it's time for a segment that we used to call What Are You Digging Lately? But now we call Ooh, Me Likey. Peggy and I like talking to each other about podcasts we've been listening to, books we've been reading, random internet hilarity we found, and we feel like maybe you'll find it fun too. So each week, each of us will share something that we are loving, that we find useful or practical, or just something that is pure frivolity and fun. This week, I am Umi Likey, uh, a book. And the book is, uh, coincidentally, by Pete Holmes, who you just mentioned, who is uh, the host of the podcast, You Made It Weird. And his book is called Comedy, Sex, God, which could be construed as comedy, sex, God, but it's those three things with commas in between because those are the things he talks about a ton. Um, He's a really interesting character. Jenny and I enjoy him a lot. He uh, grew up in a very evangelical Christian household and his story from that part of his life to where he is now is pretty fascinating. And he goes through it memoir style in the book and it's pretty awesome. So if you like his podcast, You Made It Weird, you'll like this book. And even if you don't know about the podcast, it's a pretty cool book. Yeah. He's an entertaining guy. and He's got some specials on Netflix and I really like him. Yeah. He's neat. He's definitely unique. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So mine is, you know, when we talk about frivolity and fun. Okay. 
Mine is, this one's pure frivolity and fun. All right, let's, let's it. Hear is it is The Politician on Netflix. Have you heard of this? No. Okay. So it stars Ben Platt, who needs to be on your radar if he isn't already. Okay. Wow, 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 wow. Okay. Also, um, well, here, I'm going to give you a description of the show. This okay. is what I'm going to start with. Okay. So rich kid Peyton has always known he's going to be president. But first, he has to navigate the most treacherous political landscape of all, high school. So that pretty much sums up what's happening. This kid is running um, to be class president, and it's everything that's kind of happening on his path toward his, this is one of the stepping stones because he has done so much research. He knows exactly what steps he needs to take toward his goal of one day being president of the United States and being class president is one of the things that has to happen according to his research of past presidents. Okay. Um, so he's a really intense guy. He's, he's, um, he was also in a musical, which he's very well known for called Dear Evan Hansen. No, I don't know that. It's a Broadway musical. Anyway, this Ben Platt guy's amazing. And on the show, his mother is played by Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, oh, I did see the, um, the ad for that, but I, I didn't uh, check it out. So it's entertaining frivolity and fun. It's so good. And it's just, there's so many wild things that happen and yeah. Okay. It's really good. And I fully like stayed up too late, binged. Like, I think I, I did this in a cup, like maybe two sessions. Okay. Good to know. It was just good. And this was one, like I watched it alone. Jeff has not seen it. Like this is me with the iPad staying up too late going, I'll just do one more. Then I gotta go to bed. (laughs) Okay. Well, that sounds good. That's a good uh, recommendation based on that. Check it out. All right. Next uh, uh, next up is you win or you learn. Each week, Jenny and I will trade off during this segment to let you know where we did something right and there is cause to celebrate or where something perhaps went off the rails and allowed for a learning opportunity. These can be related to our journey as we take on new habits or they may just be celebrations and bumps in the road in our everyday lives. So I mine is a win. I'm up for this week and it is about my progress on the dining table that I'm refinishing. I think I've mentioned it before. Yes, you did. Yeah. Okay. And it's one of my goals to get it, get her done. Um, so this table, it used to belong to my grandparents and it was in their home for somewhere between 60 and 70 years. And it was secondhand when they bought it. So I don't even know how old this table is. We very recently lost my grandfather when he died at the age of 93 last month. And my grandmother is now living in a nursing home and she'll soon be 95. So this table's really, really lovely. Um, and it's so meaningful to me as I have like a ton of cool childhood memories of my entire family around this table enjoying holiday meals. This past weekend, I set the goal of working on the apron of the table. So that's kind of the vertical piece that is right under the surface of the table. It's hard to describe. Um, But anyway, it had uh, two layers of veneer on it, which was a very common practice in the time that this table would have been made where they would put a fancier type of wood on top. Um, But anyhow, 
I, I want it to be the raw wood. I'm going for a very different look than this table would have originally had. Um, so I'm going through the process of removing this veneer and it took all weekend. So you have to essentially like you lay a wet towel on the wood and you leave it for hours and then you take an iron and you iron the wet towel on the wood and then you take a, a putty knife and you scrape the the veneer off. Cool. And so it's a lot of waiting. So and because it was two layers, you have to like do one later, one layer, put another thing on, wait, do the next layer. And it has this table, while it has four sides, it actually has little corners that are indented. So it actually has eight sides technically yeah so it, it was quite the process and it took all weekend but I got it done nice and after a little light sanding of this wood which seems to be oak it looks awesome so I'm really really excited like this project is taking longer than I thought like usually I can turn around projects a lot quicker um but there's just been a lot kind of going on and but now that I kind of set a little goal for the weekend of doing that I feel like I've got some progress nice um, and you know what? We just straight up needed a bigger dining table. We really did. We okay. had that little round one. Yeah. Um, that was great in our old house, but we've lived here nine years and haven't been able to figure out what we need for a dining table or make a decision. So this kind of just happened. And I, my goal that I'm going to put out to you is I want to have this ready to go by Christmas. Okay. Awesome. I want to be eaten at it. How about you? What did you learn? Um, My learn is that it all happens at once. And I think everybody's experienced this where like chaos comes out all at once, whether it's work or family or, um, you know, moves or whatever it might be. And when it does, your habits, good or bad, will be amplified. If they are good, they will keep you on track. And if they are not good, it's a bit of a slippery slope. So if your world is coming at you all at once, then take comfort as much as you can in your habits. And if things start to slip, as they often do when the chaos shows up, pay attention to some of the advice that Jenny and I gave last week to help to get you back on track. Cool. All right, and that's it for this episode of The Improvement Project. Let us know if you took the Enneagram test and what your type is. We are very excited to hear everybody's type. All right, get in touch. Get in touch. Our email address is theimprovementproject at drpeggymalone.com. Jenny is on Twitter at jcoast, and I'm on Instagram at drpeggymalone. You can always get our attention by using the hashtag theimprovementproject. You'll find all of the resources and links that we mentioned during today's show in the show notes at drpeggymalone.com forward slash podcast. And if you like the show, and we really hope that you do, please be sure to tell a friend and share it with them. It's the most common way that new listeners find our show. And if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast so that you never miss a show. We also have a Facebook group, so search for The Improvement Project on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Now, go get to work on improving the most important project that you have. That's you. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay focused and get after it. So I got like the most important project that I have that's you, but I also have that dining table, which I need to get after. (laughs) It's good to have a couple of different projects on the go. (laughs) Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy.